Sheila. Yeah. You've lived in the South for a while now. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, You've been a part of some book clubs. Yes. Um, you know, Chelsea, are you meant to ask me if I'm a vampire slayer? I mean, look. But that might have crossed my mind. It's not like we talk all the time. I don't know what you do um, on your free time. We talk a lot. And we talk about books a lot. I mean, that's true. But, you know, like, we don't, I mean, I'm just saying, if you are a vampire slayer and you meet somebody like a Bill or an Eric or Louie. <laughs> uh-huh. Or a Stefan. Stefan from Vampires, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, just help a girl out. Help you with a vampire? Like, hook you up with one? <laughs> I mean. Sure. It's supposed to be hot. <laughs> yeah, I'll hook you up with one if I find one. <laughs> everybody we're uh tuning back in with us it's been a while and we're back with our regularly scheduled podcast about books yes our book club podcast is back and we're very excited and um we already released a short little expert of a video uh video (laughs) a short little extra of a episode I can already talk this is already going so well um about what we've been kind of up to the last 18 months um some changes that we're making real super quick we're just super excited to be back we're excited yeah um Sheila moved tried really hard to keep the podcast going but we were having recording place issues and editing issues and just stuff like that so So if you haven't listened to the episode prior to this one I give you a quick rundown about my life I moved two times and I lived in a camper for 10 months that's the short end of the yeah the the story about Sheila and camper life is not conducive to um podcasting podcasting. it's totally (laughs) not and during a pandemic when I can't go to like a library or wherever and rent a room quietly. That was also part of the issue is finding space that I could do it where I could have good Wi-Fi and not be sitting in a car at 10 o'clock at night watching people drive by. (laughs) And taking Andy and Josie on a Blair Witch experiment. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, so super excited to be back. Yes. Um, I mean, we... We usually give a rundown of stuff that we've been reading and stuff like that, which, um, I mean, we're going to shake this up just a little bit because we're kind of getting back into our podcasting groove. I mean, I've been a part of some virtual book clubs over the last year and a half, and I've read some really great books. I read a lot of books on my own. Last year, I had set a goal for myself to read 50 books, and I read 52 I did not set that goal for myself this year, and I can definitely tell I'm not reading as much. Um, But, man, I've read so many books 
and some really great ones. So maybe I'll be able to get something together and like post it on Instagram or something. But the Midnight Library was really good. That really stuck with me. Um, yeah. The Language of Flowers was really a pretty book. Yeah, um, that's a great one. I'm trying to think of some other ones I made. I read like even longer ago. Oh, Madame for uh, for Cods. Yeah, Secret you, War was really good. I talked about that for a long time. Lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those were some of my big hitters, but um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I have read a lot um, myself or did audiobooks myself. And then Dash and I were reading a lot. Some things that Dash and I did, uh, we did like Matilda and Witches and James and the Giant Peach. Was, have, have we done another one of his books? And then, like, we read those books, and then we watched the movies. Then Dash and I had conversations about them. And we did that with a bunch of books, like um, Ella Enchanted and Holes and what was another book we did? Um, the One and Only Ivan. So it was, it was fun for him to be able to read and then watch, and then, like, we had a conversation, like, the difference or what he liked about him. He almost always, like, he liked the books, but he almost always loves the movies better. He's just a, he's a very visual child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, the book is always better, child. But he, he <laughs> disagrees with me. On my own, um, gosh, I've done House from the Cerulean Sea. The, um, oh, yeah, that one's good. I read that one. That one's really good. I'm trying to think what else it was I've done. Oh, my my husband and I just did Warm Bodies, which I didn't know was a book until like a couple months ago. Um, so we listened to that. I don't like vampires, or not vampires. I like vampires. I don't like zombies. <laughs> so like most of the zombie shows, I don't watch movies. I don't watch, but I've watched Warm Bodies. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this book. Um, and then one that I'm getting through called mother um sorry murder motherhood and um miraculous grace and um it's by deborah morky and it's it's a true crime story um that actually happened the murder happened like a block up from where i used to live where i grew up um so and it happened in my hometown so it was you know like it's interesting to read about it i remember i was a senior in high school when it was all taking place and so like I remember stuff from it but I was also like in my own little high school or world where it wasn't that important to me so mm-hmm. it's it's that was that's been an interesting read oh and the Martian I've done the Martian so those are just some of the stuff recently that I don't I actually just finished a good girl's guide to murder and that was a lot of fun too yeah so, I mean, let's get into it. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah. So, uh, go wait. ahead, Sheila. No, go ahead, Sheila. Do, do I read the thingy first? And then yeah, why not? Then, okay. We, well, because normally we talk about the book title and who suggested it oh, and why we yeah. suggested it. And this one was just kind of like, uh, there's a virtual book club that I got into and I brought Sheila into and this was a book that we had read for that and we were the only two who finished it and so it was really like 
maybe we should do this for our first episode back for the podcast. So that's yeah. kind of how we picked this. this it wasn't, picked it. There, yeah, there wasn't anything where it was like. I think this book has a lot of great things to talk about that yeah. had the rest of the group been able to stick it out through the book, it would have been a really great conversation. Yeah. But they couldn't, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Um, so, okay. okay, so let's start with the fact of what book it is that we even are picked. Yeah, so it's the Southern's Book Club Guide to Slaying Vampires. And obviously when we post this... By, um, sorry, by Grady Hendrix. Oh, by Grady Hendrix. When you see this, um, or if you haven't seen the cover to this book, it's... I love it. It's two peaches, and it has, like, the the holes from like where uh the things from a vampire and it has like blood dripping from the mm-hmm. peach holes so it's it's very southern and i know i live in like georgia and it's the supposed to be like the peach capital or something like that did you know most peaches are actually grown in south carolina instead of georgia just so you know here's your fun so fact i don't know why but that's the fact that i know <laughs> i just learned but, um, yeah, so this is a book, if you know anything about Grady Hendrix, he is, um, he writes kind of a lot of horror-type books. This is my first book by him. Yeah. In every book we read, no one ever thought anything bad was happening until it was too late. Patricia Campbell's life has never felt smaller. Her husband is a workaholic. Her teenage kids have their own lives. Her senile mother-in-law needs constant care, and she's always a step behind on her endless to-do list. The only thing keeping her sane is her book club, a close-knit group of Charleston women united by their love of true crime. At these meetings, they are as likely to talk about the Manson family as they are about their own families. One evening after book club, Patricia is viciously attacked by an elderly neighbor, bringing the neighbor's handsome nephew, James Harris, into her life. James is well-traveled and well-read, and he makes Patricia feel things she hasn't felt in years. But when children on the other side of town go missing, their deaths written off by local police, Patricia has reason to believe James Harris is more of a Bundy than a Brad Pitt. The real problem is James is a monster of a different kind, and Patricia has already invited him in. Little by little, James will insinuate himself into Patricia's life and try to take everything she took for granted, including the book club. But she won't surrender without a fight in this blood-soaked tale of neighborly kindness gone wrong. All right. And and that was from the inside cover of the book. Yeah, Audible's is very similar until the very end, so... Um, all right. Initial impressions. I had a lot of feelings about this book. Me too. I liked parts of it. I hated parts of it. I liked some characters and then I really hated a lot of characters in this book. Mm-hmm. So, which I think, I don't want to say too much now because I feel like eventually we will get to that to discuss like all those yeah. feelings and everything. But 
I, <laughs> my thing was, is I, I kept waiting for something really horrific to happen. Like I knew it was kind of this horror story type book just because um, we kept hearing, oh, so-and-so didn't finish. So-and-so didn't finish. So-and-so didn't finish. So I, with our book club, so I was just expecting it to be like, I don't know, I guess worse than what I got from the horror. And I don't know if it's just because I like horror stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, so my initial, so there's like two things with my initial impression. One was I was one of the first people in our group to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I mean, I still have strong feelings about it. Um, I had very strong feelings when I first read it and first was like talking about it. And I had not that I was like really trying to sway people's um, opinions of it, because that's certainly not what I was trying to do, because if they would say something, I'd be like, OK, we'll just keep reading. Just right. keep reading. Does it get worse than this? No, that's as bad as it gets. So it was like kind of like that. I wasn't yeah. really trying to like inflict how I felt about it. But um I have to say that this is not, like, this is not on the high list of books that I've enjoyed. There were aspects of it that I really liked. Yeah. But overall, there was more that I disliked than I liked. And I think what a lot of it had to do with is really what is going to make it interesting to talk about, which I know is like very mixed and might kind of, <laughs> it might sound kind of convoluted, but, um, right. I don't know. It was, it was just very interesting. So for me to have finished it and then I had people talking to me about it, I don't feel like there were as many gruesome and gory parts in it as could, as there could have been. Oh, for sure. I, read, I think there were I only read, like two, Two, two scenes, maybe yeah, three scenes three, that were depending on your comfortability with these. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I read the entire Slicky Stackhouse series. Yeah. And there was all sorts of stuff in that. And I was just like, I read the entire series. But this I have, book I have vampire Eric. <laughs> I know. <laughs> vampire Eric. Vampire Bill. Still- because I did, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I liked Bill in the books way better than I liked him in the TV series. But, oh, for um, sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, but you also had, like, Quinn and all these other, like, really interesting characters in the books for that series. For this one, I, I do think that what's going on in the outside world can affect how you feel about a book. And when we were reading this, there was a lot of stuff going on, and... For me, I just felt like it perpetuated a lot of stereotypes that didn't necessarily need to be perpetuated from a male point of view. And that's where my problem with it came. But now that I've, like, had had time time to think about it and had some time, like, it's still not one of my favorite books I've ever read. Right. Um, Before, I was like, I would never want to read anything else by Grady Hendrix. Now I'm like, okay, I could probably try out another book and probably be fine. Yeah, and so this book isn't that old. It was published in 2020, so he'd probably, I don't know, like, his writing process, and I haven't looked it up that much. But So I'm guessing, like, he probably started this, you know, a couple years 
before that. So some of the stuff that when he started writing it, wasn't like it was happening, but it wasn't what was happening, been really happening in the past 18 months. Yeah. So I can see how. Yeah, his other big book is uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Mm -hmm. That's his other really big one. And I can't remember how many he has in total. I feel like he has a couple. He does. Um, Let's see here in the back. It says, uh, uh, so My Best Friend's Exorcism, We Sold Our Souls, or two of them. And then I want to say I read some other stuff over – like, I, I looked him up earlier, like, over the summer about, like, what his other um, books were. And, like, he has, he's ri- he's written quite a bit. It's not just, like, a handful yeah. of, of books. Yeah, he's yeah. been around a while, so. Yeah, and I kind of, so there's a group on Facebook that Sheila and I are both a part of. It's a, it's a book club group. And a ton of people for months and months since this book had come out raved about it so good so good so good so good so good yeah so I was expecting it to just kind of be like so good and I didn't feel that way and then it was funny because then a couple other people started posting in the group about how they didn't like it and I was like oh good I thought I was the only one yeah because so many people it was so positive and I really didn't see anything negative about it so it was just kind of more like there was something in it when I didn't like it that I was like, am I missing something? And the people in our other group that we read this book with, they're not really big into horror fiction. They're not really big into anything too gory. Some of them are, you know, they're, they're older. Little, they're older. They're a bit more conservative. Yeah. Um, one of the people, they really don't like anything that insinuates like violence on women or anything like that, which is great. And there's plenty of books that we get to read with them that, are great. So it was like kind of interesting to hear some of their feedback about it because we didn't have a full discussion about it. It was just kind of like, okay, you guys read it. This is how I felt about it. And there was like people who didn't even make it like halfway through the book. They made it like chapter six or something like they yeah, really didn't like make it very 18. far. Um, the one person who I was pretty shocked that didn't make it through, um, she had a big problem with like the stereotyping of like how they presented the women in the nineties and stuff like that as well. And that was like one of the things that she had a really hard time reading past. So it had nothing to do with like the violence or the gore, or the vampires. It was just like the stereotyping. Um, and she was like, does that get better? And I was like, well, kind of, but not really. It kind of just perpetuates and stays the same. And like, mm-hmm. she was like, that's what I thought. And she just couldn't read past that. And maybe she has an experience that I don't know about or that we right. don't know about for why she can't read that, which is totally fine, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it is. The, the book is very interesting, to it, say the least. It, and I do have to say, like, it wasn't what I was expecting. I don't know. No, not at all what I was really expecting I guess I was thinking more vampire and but like once you get to the like kind of the heart of the story it's there's a lot about kind of what Josie touched on is like the um the societal thought of what was happening with these women in the 90s in um, Charleston, South Carolina, like what their roles as women were, racism, um, 
the the just the misogyny of the men like yeah there there's there was just so much to this book that I mean that times like I was I wanted to turn off the book because I was so mad at the men in the story like yeah I remember like one time I texted you and I was like I hate so and so (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well because like if you if you take the vampire out of it like all the major things that hit that they hit upon to add to your list is then you also have um besides like the misogyny the racism the expectation of women in a household some women trying to join the workforce, some women not joining the workforce, what that divide looked like. Um, but then it was also like the expectation of taking care of your elders. There was also the push on drugs for children like Ritalin and like that psychological aspect of everything. Then you also had, like, the grunge phase was kind of sort of hitting the kids and what that meant. And then um, the rise of technology, yeah, like the satanic panic, the rise of technology, all these different aspects that were, like, coming in that the women were having to navigate. Yeah. Um, And I should say, I feel like we should say, like, they started in this one book club with all these other women and, like, the person yeah. in charge of it was like we're gonna read these classics that like nobody was interested in and um it was very then, regimented regiment <laughs> reg, regimented as well yeah regimented. it was very it was very strict and like the like the head of the book club was just like oh Josie you're gonna be our um what did she it was like the host for that club. It was like the host, but she didn't use that word. And like you yeah. had to read it, and then you had to have all these questions that like made people think. And um, you had to have certain these- hors d'oeuvres, and you had to have certain drinks available, and it started at a certain time. And if you weren't there, then you were locked out. And it was it like was the whole thing. It's such a big deal. And so like the very first book club, like we're seeing, just like falls apart because they're like all of a sudden they're like rioting like the main character she's just like look I didn't read the book I know I was supposed to like be the the person in charge but I didn't read it I didn't have time you know my life is falling apart (laughs) and the the lead of the book club is just like ah like it was the end of the world for her and like half the people left and half of them stayed and the the half that left, they decided to start their own book club and they started basically a, what we call a murderino, which is somebody that like loves true crime and true crime book club. And so they were reading, um, Helter Skelter. They um, read the stranger beside me by stranger, a rule. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And they taught, and that's the other thing is he, ha- he puts these books, in into the story mm-hmm. so um but you know that he does that and so but that's how like they kind this group of women it's like what six seven women yeah something like that really um get close and you know they they enjoy reading true crime yeah and apparently back then that was not well looked upon by the society and um Charleston, South Carolina. I was just going to say, like, especially, like, Southern society. Yeah. Because that's the thing, too, is it's, like, one of the 
biggest driving forces for me was like the blatant misogyny and everything, which obviously like we all know that that existed in the nineties. I'm not here to try to dispute that. My problem with how the misogyny was displayed was that it like you, like for me, you could tell a woman didn't write about it. Like it still was like, yeah, I'm trying to show you the stereotypes that everybody thought there were about women, like housewives and stuff like that. Like, I'm I'm here to show you that that those existed, but they shouldn't have existed. But then the actions that he had the characters take throughout the book also just kind of like perpetuated the stereotypes for me where it was like. Like, they would take the stand, like, we're women, this isn't who we are. And then in the end, he would just make them act exactly how the stereotype would think they would act. And Whereas, like, I feel like it would have been much more powerful if he would have been, like, like, for instance, Patricia. Um, yeah. Patricia and her husband. Patricia's the main character that everything follows around yeah she's the one who's kind of the driving force to start the new club she's the one who is like having a hard time in her life that is like I need an outlet to talk to people about this um she you you learn about the other children and the other women but not Not as as much as you learn about her husband and her kids and um her mother-in-law and everything so it was one of those things where she was like, I'm I'm a mother who's trying to take care of my son, and this isn't what I want to do. And then, ever, like, I'm trying to think of, like, something specific. Like, drive him away from, like, going into, like, some weird 90s neo-Nazism. Because yeah. they, they hit on that a little bit as well. Her but then son it's like, was... And to touch on the neo-Nazism is like he was just really interested in World War Two. Yeah. And I like her husband. They was took taking, it the wrong way. Her husband was taking it one way. She was like, he just likes World War Two. But her husband yeah. was like a psychologist, so he was like going deeper with what it maybe was. And not that he was ever home and ever cared for his children anyways. Right. Because he didn't. Right. He was, he gaslit her a lot. Yeah. In everything. And like, for me, I feel like, like she would be like, I don't have a bad son. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Whatever it is. And then there would just be a way for her to actually end up doing it. So it just felt like a stereotype of what a housewife was and what they should have done, but then never did. And so I just felt like, it missed the mark a lot in a way that it could have been done really well of like, this is what housewives are. They do provide a lot for society. They do provide a lot for their homes. They do provide a lot for their families. And through, there were several points through the whole book where it would be like, you do all of this for us. And then all of the actions of all the characters would be like, you're just a woman. And I do think that there were instances like that that did happen, but I also think that there was the opposite of that, and you never saw the opposite of that. You never saw a single man in this entire group ever do the other side of it. 
And I felt like it would it could have been a good opportunity that the author missed a lot of. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. Um, from my personal experience living in the South for a while, I feel, and like, granted, I'm living like 20, 30 years after than when this was written. And I do want to <laughs> say, yeah. <laughs> so things have changed, but I do feel like sometimes that like, I still see a lot of the misogyny down here. Mm-hmm. Um, me, I grew up with um, a dual income family. My mom taught, my dad worked. I want to say, I don't remember any of my friends having stay-at-home moms. And honestly, I like Eric's mom was a stay-at-home mom until he was like fourth or fifth grade. And then she went back and started subbing. So she was still kind of around quite a bit. Sometimes I wonder, like, because I know, like, you kind of grew up with, you know, your mom and dad both worked. And so for us kind of coming from West, or, you know, Mountain West, when a lot of our our friends and family, they were dual income where our family, our, our moms did work and our moms were like, you can do anything you fucking want. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm wondering if that's just kind of like our upbringing, whereas Grady Hendrix, he grew up in South Carolina and um, he actually grew up in this Charleston area and the Charleston, I've only visited it, but it's over the top. Like mm. it's, And I'm like, I went there for a wedding and I was like, holy cow, these people, like, just like the town, it's like, it's just so, so rich. And so I feel like, you know, he really just took from what he knew because he was Grady, like in the 90s was like a teenager, I think. So he's, I guess he's probably about our age, give or take a couple years. But he, um, I feel like he he just took like from what he knew and what he saw. And I know like where you're saying like he could have taken it to the next level and like made a man stand up for. Not even that. Like, I think too, like part of it is also just like shown more of like what the women did day to day, because it basically was just like, I don't know, reading it, it just felt very much like, he just was like, oh, the women basic like, some of them cleaned, some of them weren't really good at it, but they did it, and then they made food, and, like, that's all they did with their whole day. And I'm like, I mean, there's just more to being a housewife than just, like, cleaning and cooking. Doesn't feel like it. <laughs> I know. I know no, it doesn't well, feel I like mean, it, but that's but the what thing I'm is, saying. Like, but, that, but that's the thing, though, is, like, sometimes, because I am one, it is sometimes all I do like right but it's frustrating because that's what we do as housewives and I know this is my choice but and like Eric doesn't necessarily expect me to do all the cleaning and all the cooking but it you know like you're at home you're doing stuff and it's just it gets to the point where you're like well I have to do it because you know he's they're gone all day at work like it's not meant to be a Eric's never been like, why haven't you done this? Like, why are you still in your pajamas? You know, like, I he's never right, right. done that. I, I just think it's like the guilt that we kind of have is that, well, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm home. I should be doing something. And right. I do, I'm not sure the people in his life, Grady Hendrick's life, they, they did more than um, 
what what do I want to say? Um, just you know, cooking and cleaning. But I mean, but he did touch on how like they all banded together and they knew people and they brought in like a house nurse and they all did stuff to help each other when times were tough. Um, right. And I think like he just I think he had so much in the book that he couldn't like add all those things. I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know. Like it just like there was just something off. To me, like, there's just something that was off about it. I understand what you're saying, that that's, like, how it feels and, like, that's what it seems like. And I know that there's people who feel that way and have that expectation for people. I know women who work and their husbands or boyfriends have that expectation for them. So, like, I get it. I just... There was just something for me that was the way it was presented, even if that's all it is, if that's all it is, and that's all these Southern women do, there was just something about how it was put together that didn't sit right with me, and that I just was like, there's just got to be more to it, and it just felt like a really bad stereotype and not what it actually is. Maybe he did that to make a point. Which is possible. Like it was, he wanted to but, make people feel uncomfortable that that's how time, we treat women. Or right, women but at that. the same time, like you and I are sitting here talking about it, so maybe the point will come across. But when I was sitting there reading it by myself before I talked about it, all it did was make me angry and I didn't want to talk about it. And right. so the point is missed. Like even if you're trying to do that and make a point as an author, if it, if it has such an adverse effect on somebody where they don't want to discuss it, then then your point wasn't made. I mean, maybe it is, but or like I don't know. Me, I mean, like, I'm like I don't know. I I mean, it's it's touched you in a way that it's upset you or made you like. Sometimes yeah, but the point the point can't be just to make me upset because then it's no, like, no, not not okay. upset. It made you uncomfortable. It made you so uncomfortable. It made you like upset does that make sense like remember no no that makes me upset but like but at the same time if I would have read this on my own or like what if I really loved the book and I really enjoyed it then I'm not saying that people who enjoyed this book didn't get the point of it I'm not saying that at all because everybody's going to form their own opinion about it for sure but at the same time it just feels like if that's the point that you're trying to make and that's what you were trying to do. It's not, you're not guaranteed to really get that across. And if somebody reads the book, I mean, I don't know, I guess maybe this is just really hard to really get into because it's just like, it's all opinion based. So it's hard to like get to, to really say the point of it. Maybe the point of him doing that is just to make people feel very uncomfortable. And that's all he wanted was just to make you feel uncomfortable. Then he fully succeeded. And whether you enjoyed it or not enjoyed it, you could feel uncomfortable from that. And that's all he wanted. Yeah. But it also just feels like, like it just kind of falls short at the same time for me personally. Yeah. I think, it didn't like it bothered me, but it didn't make me so upset that I didn't want to talk about it because I did want to talk about it because I feel like for him at that time period, that was a very like it was very true 
especially in that area, that's how they were. Or what the the expectations of women were supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Well, and this could just be his truth. Like, that's how he saw it as a teen. And, and like, we see things differently as in our life and as who we were as teens. Like, what I saw as a teen, like, so kind of a side example, we decided to watch the first Ghostbusters tonight with Dash earlier this evening. Because the new one, Afterlife, is coming out next month. And I was like, oh, we need to watch this. So Dash like, know what the heck is going on. Yeah. And at one point, like, they're, like, smoking up a storm. And I turned to Eric. I'm like, I forgot how much smoking was, like, in the movies from the 80s. And it was, this was made in 84, the first Ghostbusters. And Dash turns around to me. He goes, they are doing drugs. And drugs are bad. We paused it and we had this whole conversation about, yes, smoking's bad, but like back when mommy and daddy were little kids, everybody smoked. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people Mm -hmm. smoked. You saw all the time in movies and TV shows and you went to the restaurant, everybody smoked. And I'm like, I go, and you, you've lived your whole life and you've never been in a restaurant that allows smoking. Yeah. And so I feel like like, my truth, like, I had forgotten that truth about smoking until I visually saw it. And then my kid's like, they're doing drugs, which I thought was, like, quite adorable and innocent. And um, I'm like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. Don't do right. drugs. Um, right. All at the same time. But I feel like, you know, like, that's, you know, I don't know how old he was when in the 90s. But, you know, as, like, a six, or 13 or 16-year-old, mm-hmm. like, you see things, like, a little right. differently and that may have just been he saw mom taking him to soccer and Ritalin and you know <laughs> I will say that the Ritalin part of this book it I hit. feel like he hit so perfectly so there's a lot of things I do feel like he hit very very good mm-hmm. um and then there's just parts that I just was like it just didn't interest me Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm just going to be say perfect, it. I hated every man in this book. Every man. Except oh, for, like, Patricia's husband boy. was garbage. Horrible. Patricia's husband was one of the worst characters I've read in a really long time. He was, like, the biggest villain. And to be perfectly honest, like, if you... Okay, so... <laughs> My other really big issue that I had with this book, to be perfectly honest, besides all the other stuff, because that's just like, that's like personal opinion. And this is personal opinion, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, for a book about vampire slaying, I felt like it was very weak on the vampire aspect. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, I was like, when's the vampire going to show up? Right. I'm done. I'm done listening about Patricia's stupid husband and the kids and all this stuff. Like, whatever. It's, I like stories like that. I read stories like that. I'll watch movies and shows with stories like that. So it's not that I need action or whatever all the time. This book is not about vampires. It's more about the book club than it is about slaying vampires yeah and they say vampires plural and it was one vampire and he's and he doesn't even show up until like what like a third of the book or something like that 
Well, like, like he kind of he kind of shows up, but you don't even know if it's him right away. Right. Which and, is fine, cause like whatever. I don't know. Foreshadowing. And okay, spoiler. Like he's not like the true sense of a vampire that like we all like imagine. I know Edward from Twilight. He sparkles or whatever. Definitely not an Edward. <laughs> but like Edward still had like vampire traits yeah this i'm not even sure what it was he could come out he could come out at all times of the day he liked the night better he preferred the night the day like you could tell he was like weaker in the day and stuff like that but he was still out in the day he didn't seem like did they even say he had fangs like did he even show fangs in the book weird like tongue thing that did all the yeah like this was seriously like there was nothing charming about him there was not one single point in this book where I was like oh James is a charmer Mm -hmm. and this is why the community lets it lets him in it basically was a man came in and told other men I can do this he, for you. And then charmed, the men believed the men he charmed believed, the men. That's what he yeah, did. He charmed and the men. He didn't even charm them well. He just was like, I'm charmed a man. Money. Charmed them with money and masculinity. Yes. Like, I think that was another the more I thought about it and the more I really thought like what I liked or disliked about the book and stuff like that. I think that that's what part of it was as well. Like I'm not even talking about, like, the Twilight vampires. Like, take them out of it. Like, you think of anything else. The Vampire Diaries, Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Lestat. Like, anything Anne Rice. Um, What were the ones that we... Oh, The Sookie Stackhouse. Dracula. Like, there's something about all of those vampires that was intriguing, that drew you in. They had some charm. They... They didn't, like, they weren't, like, outright rude. They were, like, foreboding, and they were, like, ominous, like, don't, like, ominous characters, like, dark characters, like, like, you don't want to go near them, like, be intrigued. He was just, like, outright rude the first time Patricia talked to him. Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know people hate Edward. I'm going to say that I think James is a worse vampire than Edward. He was a weak-ass vampire. James was horrible. He was not a good vampire. and I'm just going to say he's not truly a vampire. I'm not really sure what he was. But I think Patricia knew he was a monster. That was the thing. Yeah. She figured out he was a monster. She saw him in the act of what he was doing. And she, and he did it to her own daughter. And her own daughter. She saw it twice, I guess I should say. She saw him do it twice. One to um, another little girl and one to his, her daughter. And she, like, he's not, he, I think, like, for her, like, the easiest thing was to be, like, he's a vampire. He's, like, eating blood somehow or whatever. But he wasn't, like, the vampire, like, in the sense that, we imagine vampires. I mean, well, yeah. And, like, he was, like, sucking their blood. He did it through the vein and in the inside of their thigh. Oh. 
Which I was like, okay, so he did that. Cool. He did it in a hidden spot, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And, like, and like, it was euphoric, which I guess um, tends to be for some of the vampire stories yeah. out there, that it is kind of euphoric um, getting eaten by a vampire. I, yes. I have no experience in this, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, let's, I mean, our vampire experience is just what we hear from other vampire, the vampire genre. <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's never, like, they did have, like, it was almost like a, like a dopamine effect yeah. on them where they just kind of, like, they were loopy and, like, like you said, like, euphoric. Like, oh, like... Oh, no, they liked it when nice. it was happening, and then after it happened, they were just, and they were very, like, kind of catatonic after. Like, honestly, it kind, it kind of reminded me of a roofie effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, then I'm like, so, which, whatever, like. Okay, I'll get off Grady's writing. <laughs> like, because then it's just, I mean, it is interesting that he, like, it would almost have, like, that rohypnol, like, like, drugging effect that he would do to these people. And he did, and then, like, where the racism played in on it a lot was that the, he was, James, the black, the, the, yeah, the black community, the African-American community, like, for decades had known something that, was like, happening. Don't go in the woods. Don't, yeah, don't do this. Don't do that. Their wood, their children went missing. Like the kids had riddles about it. Like yeah. it was like this whole thing. And like the maid was like, "Oh, now you care because it's happening to your children, but it's been happening to our children for a very long time." And so there were definitely a lot of things that he hit on in the book that you're like, yeah, this should be brought attention to. But then part of me also wonders again, like you were saying earlier, like maybe there was like so many points being that he was trying to make that if he could, maybe if he could narrow it down, yeah, narrowed it down to a couple, he could have done those like really, really well instead of like being like oh yeah but what about this oh yeah what about this oh yeah what about this yeah but then there's there's also like the scene that happened with Patricia and kind of in the middle of the book where then there was like a big break in the book where then they stepped back and even she conceded and was like okay we're gonna stop I'm gonna stop attacking James like the husbands all stepped in and they were like basically embarrassed the women and then all the women were like I'm not allowed to do the book club anymore I'm not allowed to do this I'm not allowed to do that so it was very much like what the husbands say and do is law yeah and there was a big like with a couple of the characters there was a a big religious like issue issue yeah Yeah. um because they were very religious and you know what you find out one her husband beats her from when like she kind of steps out of line um and she was like one of those characters that was always one of the stronger characters that was like stepped up when um Patricia needed help like she was like calling in the you know calling all the friends and calling everybody to get help to clean up the house and yeah 
oh, I'll take so-and-so to, I'll take their son to soccer or daughter to soccer. Like, like she was really kind of the, like the, almost like the glue of the group. But if she stepped out of line, she had a black eye. Yeah. Because of that, she was as quick as she was to step up. She was also the first one to be like, I'm not, I'm not doing this book club. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then it was, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's been a little while, guys. I wish I could remember all the characters' names. There was just, like, a weird break in the middle of the book that I was like, oh, so now we're just, like, reverting back and kind of starting all over again. Yeah. And that was very frustrating to me. It, but then that also, but then also at the same time, you're just like, well, that's how things happen, though. Like, the Patricia's husband had her basically committed yeah. And then was like, step out of line. And she was like, I don't want to lose my kids. I don't want to lose my house. I've, or all this other stuff has already happened. Um, we didn't even talk about how her mother-in-law was killed by rats. Because that was the thing that the vampire could do was he could control the animals. But yeah, it was like, yeah. not even all the animals. Like, he definitely controlled the rats. It's like the swamp rats or the mm-hmm. low life. Um, not low life, but kind of like the creepy, crawly... So the weird animals that you wouldn't normally be like, right. I want this in my house. Like he was able to get all the swamp rats to like swarm Patricia's house and like attack the, the, the mother-in-law, um, the mother-in-law the, knew who recognized yeah. him. Yeah. So the mother, with her dad and stuff. the mother-in-law saw him when she was a little girl. Cause this, young man James but she called him something Henry or something like that yeah um he came to town and he like asked him to do all this stuff and then like she's like he killed my daddy and um because of her because of James or Henry whatever his name was back then um yeah the mother-in-law's um Mary Mary was the mother in law she you know when she saw him she knew and he had he was like I gotta get rid of this problem so yeah yeah so there was definitely things that happened but never outright like to or from him it was always just kind of like insinuated and then it stepped back and then I mean I don't know like I didn't like the break. I didn't like the step back. But once the no. book was finished, like, it was necessary. Like, it, you had, it, it had to happen. To happen. Yeah. You, it, I didn't like it when it happened because I was like, man, she just needs to leave him. And then, like, it's like, oh, she's with him. And it's been a year. And, like, with her, Patricia's still with her husband. And the kids are okay. And, oh, but, book club is, like, more 60 people. And all the husbands and wives go and they yeah and they're all rich and they have this stuff going on but James is like so integrated into every aspect hand is in every single person's life life. yeah um like and he would he would go away with the husbands for these work conferences or work trips and um you end up finding out that the husbands were not necessarily so faithful on these work trips. Yeah. And it just, it gets really interesting. Um, and at one point, Patricia's just like, screw what I told my husband. I'm going to figure this shit out. And yeah. she gets 
her um, old maid or nurse um, that had taken care of the mother-in-law to help. And they um, they end up finding some stuff. And and then people, the, the girls start to get back together. Like the root, the six, the, the, the six, six or seven. Friends, yeah. They start realizing like, and then one of them gets attacked and. That was probably the hardest part of the whole book. Yeah. Is she does she gets like Patricia gets a call and she well cuz so there's like two kind of horrific points. One of them is when Patricia goes up into James's um attic and finds the dead body. And it's not even like horrific like gory. It's just like in you're just in a dusty attic. It's like a, a mummified body, body yeah. in a suitcase that he yeah. away. So it's just like, you're just like, oh, wow, that's just kind of gross. The really true, like, horrible spot is, like, trigger warning for everybody. is like, a, there's a huge, like, rape scene. Yeah. And it's horrible. And she, yeah. like, the thing that for me was, like, so disturbing about this vampire, too, is that it wasn't, like... Like, there was one point where they were comparing her stuff to, like, AIDS. Yeah. Where they, because this was, like, mid-90s. Like, mm-hmm. so they were legit, like, don't tell anybody anything. Like, the husband was, like, so embarrassed. Like, you can't tell anybody what she's sick with. And, like, everybody, like, I don't want anybody to think it's AIDS. They think it's AIDS. Like, so. Well, there, and she never told her husband She did not what tell happened. her husband the truth. She only told Patricia. And then they ended up telling the book club the truth. Yeah. But the husband never knew that she was raped by, raped and attacked by James. And James left his I don't stuff know, in her his like stuff is disease like, I don't yeah they don't really ever ex- that's not ever really fully explained it's just she just says that he he went in her yeah and he but it made her very sick like violently sick yeah like she was in a hospital dying sick and like when Patricia found her because Patricia found her well she called she called and was like, you have to sneak in. So she found her, but she snuck into the house. Yeah. And she's like laying in the bathtub. And she's like, she's like, don't tell my husband. Don't tell him. And that just goes to show that like how even, you know, rape, like how some women still don't want to talk about it. And like mm-hmm. back then, I mean, it was in the it, was, 90s, it was very it was, victim blaming. It was it all was. victim blaming. It wasn't anything else. Because if she had said James did this to me, her husband would have been like, no, James didn't do that. To well, me. and there, this was also another one of the families that was extremely religious. And she had never been with anybody besides her husband. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't want my husband to be mad at me. Like, that was the whole point of it. It was that I don't want him to be mad that there was another man with me. So it wasn't even like, like, she said it happened. She said the words, like, he did this to me. He attacked me. He raped me. But when she talked about it in the context of her husband, it was... Still, like, he can't know I was with another man. It was not separate for her. It was very, it was three together. It was very hard. Um, That was probably the worst part of the entire book. And I, 
the group that we were in, there was a couple people who were like, as soon as I heard that, they were like, I had to stop. Like, they couldn't get past that point. But it was, I mean, it was very hard, but that was the point where they got into it, and they were like, all right, let's let's get rid of him. We got to do what Southern women do and just take care of it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they got rid of them. But even, like, how they got rid of them, you're like, did he get, did they get rid of them? Because <laughs> they chop them up. They do all this stuff. Yeah. Like, they put them in a bag. They, like, marked some mausoleum tomb. Yeah. And then they had to, like, remark it with the insurance for one of the ladies. Like. Yeah. It was very detailed how they had to do it. And they it was very well thought out. Yeah. And, but they also had to think, like, if we do this, we're all ruined. Because he had such a hand in their um, their family's finances. Yeah. Like, that, the only person like who wasn't, yeah, the only, the, I think uh, there was, like, two men that weren't, like, they had all invested into this thing, this yeah. this program, but there was, I think, only a couple of the men who weren't really going to be super affected by it, because, like, yeah. Patricia's husband had all of his seminars and his practice and everything to fall back on, but even though they had invested a lot of money, he still had his practice, Still had his practice, but he yeah. also lost a lot because of the yeah. Stuff. Like all of them definitely lost. Like they, they had they had to be like, okay, we're all gonna suffer through this. Like our husbands are gonna suffer. Like there were two husbands in particular who were partners with him, like straight yeah. up partners that were really gonna be like financially devastated. Mm-hmm. They were building like a housing division yeah nearby almost like almost like a gated community yeah like that's how I took it anyway yeah something like that it was some sort of division that was very you know like kind of well-to-do um and then that's like that whole other part is like they that subdivision had been where the black community had been living and so basically they had run the black families out out and um there's just there's I just there's a lot of layers in this. Yes, so many layers. Um, I mean, we're definitely not even hitting. Oh, a, we're only hitting a fraction of of it, and like the main points. Yeah. So yeah, they they decided they made the decision where they were like, we have to stand up for ourselves as women, and like if we don't do it, who's gonna do it? Um, so they made that choice, and then yeah. the most like monstery vampire-y thing is that. They chopped him up and did all this stuff, but they could still hear, like, the hands, like, <laughs> he's scratching still, like, the door. Like, he's still moving. He's still doing all this stuff. Which, again, makes me feel... Because didn't they put a stake through his heart? Like, I feel like they... I, I don't remember. remember. All they did, like, a bunch of stuff to him. They cut him up. They, like... But he taunted her. But again, the girl, the lady, the one lady who came in and was the one to help Patricia so quickly and then was the first one to dip, she was the one who came back again and was like, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. And she was the one who really kind of put the plan together and made sure everything was so clean and, like, cleaned everything up and, like, yeah, kind of fixed it and was like, I'm a cleaner. This is what I do. Because even though they had a maid that would come to their house – she still cleaned the house and yeah. like even the maid was like who is one of the people who helped kill the vampire James. Yeah. Like even she was like, I don't know why you have me clean your house or why you have me come because right. everything's always so clean. <laughs> Do it. Um, but yeah, they 
but they took care of him and um at the end i can't exactly remember what happened but um patricia's husband was like oh you're okay you know like because she had been missing for like 48 hours or something like that because of the whole mm-hmm. james thing or something and she's just decided like she definitely has some growth i wouldn't say it's like a bunch of growth but I think it was enough for her to finally do this because a year or two earlier he had basically said if you leave me you don't get the kids and he was just like James has disappeared I'm so like he wasn't even like oh my god thank god you're awake it was oh my god you're awake James disappeared what are we gonna do and she's like I'm sorry I'm leaving you we're getting a divorce and he was yeah. like, the kids are going to live with me and blah, blah, blah. And the kids, they were like middle school, high school. And they chose to live with their mom in a tiny apartment. And she... Not stay in the house, yeah. Not stay with him. And she got a job nursing. Like So, like, there's definitely some growth for her. Like, I'm glad that she was able to, like, get out that situation and, yeah. and get out. And I'm glad that children saw everything that she had done for them Mm -hmm. you know as a mom being a stay-at-home mom all the things that she had done and that they realized that she was the good in their life where while dad may have like given everything to them because he Mm -hmm. worked in the house and the vacations like he made all that possible they realized he was a shit shit person why would you want to live with that yeah for sure I wouldn't say it was a tiny, or tiny, a tidy cleanup Mm -hmm. of the book. There was still a lot of things where you're like, you knew the characters were going to be struggling with certain things. And um, so I, I, a lot of like loose ends, even though there was like big things that did get explained and like finished. So, I mean, yeah, that's, That's I mean, yeah, that's a lot of it the pros the cons the good the bad like all of it the wor- I feel like this is officially the worst vampire now though <laughs> I mean, it's not the best like yeah like I, like I said I like parts of it I hated parts of it like I feel yeah. like it's kind of like so mixed together that I'm just kind of like meh like I'm not I'm not gonna be like. Yeah, I feel like as time went on, I definitely was able to recognize the parts of it that I did like. Like, I definitely liked the community that Patricia built up, like the community that the women, or like the friendship that the women built themselves, and like the trust that they still had in each other because they knew that they really could only rely on each other, and that happens multiple times throughout the book. I feel like that sense of like that bond, that bond of friendship and that yeah. bond of friendship wasn't because of the vampire. Like that bond of friendship was there and developed because of their love of books and other things. Yeah. And their then community. It, yeah. And then it just happened that this other stuff happened to them. Yeah. I feel like probably I, I don't know. It was hard to say because I was listening while I was doing a lot of stuff around the house. But I feel like maybe like the first third of the book was probably like my favorite like not favorite the setup the setup was definitely some of the best parts of it right 
Yeah. And I loved when they would have their little book club meetings. Like, and you only went to like a few of them or whatever, but mm-hmm. they, they would be like, oh, we're reading this book. And so even like one of the cute little things where as a group, they like the one husband thought that they were going to a Bible study. Bible so study. Yeah. whenever they talked around about the husbands, they were like, oh, you have when she's around, you have to talk about the Bible study. We don't yeah. have a book club. It's a Bible study. So and there they was talked cute- about or, or OK, instead of Helter Skelter, we're saying something else, you know, whatever. Yeah book that whatever book it was yeah murder related yeah because they I think they understood that it was that it was not expected that they enjoy books like that um so I I mean there was probably back then is probably like now like murder people like being interested in murder is like really it really is kind of a thing like we see the it's a huge fad right now you see the TikToks, you see the memes yeah. about like the oh I go home and I watch murder murder shows and it relaxes me like yeah. or whatever like you hear it you see about it all the time and I think and I'm gonna say even me as like a teenager in the 90s like I loved true crime yeah I mean too. but I wasn't like going to school going hey Josie. Let's talk about what was on Unsolved Mysteries last night. Like, right. you just didn't do that because you're not supposed to like murder. Well, and I think a big thing, too, that they all hit upon and what one of the themes throughout the whole book was, was that they knew that there were these this darkness out there. They knew that there yeah. was these monsters out there. So part of the reason why these women were intrigued by true crime and intrigued by these stories wasn't like oh, we just, like, murder. It was them being, like, they wanted to be aware if there was monsters in their neighborhood, they wanted to be able to pick them out. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They saw, like, and it started with Patricia really before anybody else, where it was just, like, they knew that people, if monsters could exist in Seattle or wherever else, California, then it could be in in their front yard. For sure. And even look at like what's happening in um, that area right now with the Murdoch murders. Oh, yeah. Um, there's that that family. They've they're well known, well kind of loved, wealthy family there. And the um, the son like a year or two ago um, was in a on a boat and supposedly he was driving and he ended up getting in a boat accident and he killed a girl and then this past spring he and his mother were murdered on their property and then the father just tried to have himself knocked off Mm -hmm. and I mean this is a family that is just really well known in the community and just kind of goes to show that you don't know what's going on right you and just we never are, know what's going on behind right. closed doors. And we don't, we don't, we still don't know, or at least I haven't heard anything about who killed the the son and the mother. Um, there's a bunch of speculations, but um, mm-hmm. but it came out that the father was like, was he like embezzling from the law firm? Like he 
he left the, like there was something there was like, something money related money laundering embezzling something, something related with it yeah so he ended up quitting and then he tried to get he tried to hire somebody to kill him and that didn't work and there's people that i know people because where they live they're um kind of nearby is um uh, Marine Corps base so I have some friends that are that have lived there and they're like this is blowing up I have people that are like oh yeah I um they still uh, they live down the road from where we lived and like just hearing some of their stories it's it's been interesting about how this family was just so involved with the community that mm. nobody thought anything bad would ever happen with them or yeah. some of them did because they're like well they're rich white people. They've <laughs> right. been doing this in this community for decades. So yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that it's you know it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, how how it works out. So you know, fun times. Yeah, for sure. Who were your favorite characters? I didn't really have any favorites. I mean, <laughs> Me neither. I didn't have any favorites at all. I didn't even. I don't think I even have any characters I really truly liked, except for maybe the maid, and yeah. and Mary, the grandmother Mary, or the mother-in-law Mary. Yeah, mother-in-law Mary, grandma Mary. Um, I I like her. I mean, she was only like there a little bit, and then she comes back as like this ghost thing for like five seconds. Um, I didn't mind her. I, that one was hard because I've I've had um, a grandma that had dementia, so like yeah, it's hard. Um, I've had a grandparent with it, so I was like, oh man, you know. And back then, I feel like in the in the nineties, like we were really just kind of starting to understand like some dementia and Alzheimer's a little bit. Like it really started to come to the forefront for um, people suffering from these and what was happening with them. So like we didn't really under understand and, and then it was like, oh, it's on the family to take care of the the family member. So like at the kind of hit home where it's like, man, I remember all those things and grandma started to have issues. Um, and yeah, I did like the maid. I liked her character. I mean, she's a strong character. She she told it how it was. She mm-hmm. she didn't care. She's like, you're white, but I don't care. I'm just gonna tell it how it is. You don't know what we go through here. You don't know what's yeah. like black. Um, she had no apologies about being who she was. And I think for the most part, like I felt bad for like the kids in the story. Oh, for sure. Like, like I knew Patricia loved her children. I felt bad that, like, her husband had such a hold on her, on what she wanted to try to do, that it was hard for her to support her children and what they needed and what they wanted. Because mm-hmm. he was like, nope. Yeah, I mean, it's, don't really have anything to add to that. I just agree with you. Okay. <laughs> who I was like I just yeah it's, it's hard like there was just nobody that I felt warm-hearted to. I mean even even with as much as I was rooting for Patricia to get out when she got out I was just like good I didn't feel anything like really strong for her or anybody mm-hmm. else like I just didn't feel overly 
excited or emotional for any of the characters in a good way. Did you, so who was your least favorite character? Oh. All of them? (laughs) All the husbands on one level. And then James, like, I know he's supposed to be a monster. I just, I mean, he just wasn't a good monster even. Because part of, like, here's the thing, because part of me feels like what makes a good monster is even a great monster has something that you have a little bit of empathy for. Mm-hmm. Um, like Frankenstein, you know, like, yeah. there, you still have some empathy for him, like, even other vampires, like, you still find, like, a little something. bit of empathy towards them, like, in Interview in the Vampire, for instance, like, Louis, like, he didn't want to become a vampire. Like, no. that's not the life he wanted. So you still have some empathy for him because that was something he fought against and fought, like, and, like, grappled against where you're just like, oh, they didn't choose it. Yeah. And then, like, Lestat, like, he didn't choose it either, but he, like, fully embraced it. Yeah. But even with that, you're like, none of them had a choice in any of it. Yeah. And, like... I don't know. I feel like all the best villains, you can still feel a little bit of something for them. Or there's some sort of... Or, like, understanding or something, like... There's something... Sometimes, like, maybe there's some humanity or something still there. Yeah. Um, I just never felt like that was there with him. Yeah, like, or at least a piece of humanity. I think that's the perfect way to say it. And, like, for him, I just didn't feel that there was anything like that like I didn't feel like there was any type of anything that made me be like okay like there's something in it like even when Patricia's son got along with him so well I just was like okay so he gets along with the teenage boy like it's still a full manipulation like oh, yeah. it's like there's nothing good behind any of it he like he if you knew if, that if he was if he took her child away from her yeah. and put these seeds of discontent and mistrust in his family in his parents that the boy would always go to him and not her or his father like he totally knew how to manipulate every single person in this book right except for Patricia she just once she figured it out she didn't but then at one point she had to to try to keep her family together well and it's funny though because if you think about it like he didn't really fully manipulate any of the women. No. He fully manipulated the men. And even when Mary was a young girl, it, it was, was him, men. it was him manipulating the men. Yeah. It had nothing to do with women. The women were just byproducts of it. And really like he was attacking children even then. Yeah. It was never adults. Mm-hmm. So it just, like, it was just more the power of, like, were women believable or not? Like, yeah, I think that was one of my biggest problems with it as well, is that 
these men would be like, you raise, you raise our kids. I love you. You're my wife. Like, I trust you explicitly. And then like, they would say something and they'd be like, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. And you're like, but you just said that you did like how, like literally like it's sentences away from each other. They would be like, I believe you. And then they're like, you're lying. And you're like, what? Like, (laughs) yeah, it's hard. But I know, but I know that men are like, or not all men. I know people, and I shouldn't. We're I know people can be like that, and people are like that. I see that. We see that today, and things that happen in our everyday lives or in our society. And I think that's that's men and women. It's just it's like that. But it's also you're just like what. What do you mean? Like, there was not one. And I guess that that's my my hardest part of belief is I understand the effect of, like, group mentality. Mm-hmm. They have studies about it. You hear studies about it. The whole, like, why they tell you that you should call out fire, like, when you need help. Like, I understand, like, that mentality of they think somebody else is going to step forward. Even in the 90s south I have a hard time believing that not one single man wouldn't have been like I believe my wife like and there was nothing nothing that indicated that from anything that of the conversations that were happening with the women like they trusted them to take care of their household but they didn't believe them and maybe that's just because not even how I grew up I feel like in most stories that you read or watch there's always at least one person who like privately is just like no I trust you but like what do you want me to do there's I mean there's always like a stipulation to it but like this one there wasn't even that stipulation they were just like our wives are dumb and don't know anything but then they're like you're so smart you can run our household and then they'd just be like, nope, you're dumb. Yeah, I, and maybe he just wanted to be like, I'm just going to make some really asshole character men. And maybe. And he just didn't like, I don't know. He wanted to like have it so the women didn't have a hero man in it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe that's it. Maybe it. Because the women took care of it. They didn't need a man. Right. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Which, I mean, that's, that could be a big piece of it too. Like, be your own hero. Be, like, in a weird way, just, like, do what you have to do. Be your own hero. Find your people who you can be heroes with and don't rely on men. It, I do find it, like, really intriguing, like, how easily manipulated the men were in the book like all of them were like so uh, generational like (laughs) it just was like all the men I'm wondering if like generational but also if it had something to do with like just like the pure greed of money Mm -hmm. you know like some of those people were having a hard time and James came in with this great idea and all of a sudden life was great and easy. So I'm wondering if, you know, like they were, the men were just so swayed by the fact that they were now rich or 
power or whatever. You know, yeah. money money does things to people, unfortunately. Yeah. And maybe that was it. I don't know. But yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows? It's, we don't know. Grady. Yeah. Grady. I know. <laughs> we need Come to talk you on to the us. Line. I know. Um, So would you recommend this book? I don't know. I mean, I'd probably be like, if you want to read it, read it. I mean, it has a a lot of stuff that you might not like. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's amazing. Go read it. Yeah. Like, I feel like if somebody was like, oh, how was it? I'd be like, it was okay. Like, touches on a lot of stuff. Has, like, one vampire. Yeah. I monster did, did we decide to even call it a vampire? I think he's a monster. A monster. I call it a vampire. Yeah. I just I mean I don't think I would be like if so, somebody would have to see the book on my bookshelf and be like, "Oh, how was it?" Yeah. Would you would you read it? I'd be like or if I'm like, "Here, you want it? Take it. You can read it and tell me what you think." I would yeah. love to hear your opinion. Your thoughts on it. But I don't think I would be like, hey, everybody, go read this book. Yeah. Although, I am curious about his other books. I I think I'm still on the fence for them. I didn't hate his writing style, necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think I enjoyed his writing. So, that's why I think I might, I'm interested to at least check another one of his books out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Would you this? <laughs> I laugh for a reason. Because you know my answer. My my quick answer is no. But I think if somebody was like, hey, what, like, my quick answer is no, because I would not talk about it and be like, yeah, read like, it. Yeah. If somebody was like, oh, have you heard of this book? I'd be like, yeah. This was my experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, like I said, I would be like, seriously, if they saw my bookshelf, I'd be like, go ahead and take it. Read it. Tell me what you think. <laughs> Which is surprising to me, because when we talked, I thought you were going to be a lot more pro for this book than I than I was. And I feel like we actually feel a lot of the same way about it. Like, I'm, I'm really kind of like myth, like. Like I said, I enjoyed parts of it, and I hated parts of it. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what he was wanting me to feel, but that's how I feel. Yeah. Like, I wanted to, like, punch all those men. If they were standing yeah. in my house, I wanted to punch every one of those men. Um, I wanted to shake some of the women. I think it'd be interesting to read an interview about this book. So, <laughs> I actually um, have one, or that I pulled up. Like, I was doing some stuff, and this is on N- NPR. Yeah, NPR. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions was, the way you depict women at the center of the book is clearly affectionate, but it pla- in places I felt like it was edging a little into mockery. Was that your intent? Tell me how you're, you approached building these characters in their world. And this was just that that there's like five or six questions or something. But this is what his answer to that. This is what Grady said. I feel bad it edged into mockery. I take these ladies very seriously. The 
they are women I grew up around. And I wanted to write about how I went from knowing them as a kid when they seemed like a bunch of lightweight nobodies to how I got to know them as adults when I learned that they had dealt with all the ugly, difficult stuff so the rest of us wouldn't have to. The choices these women had to make were hard and they were never offered the easy option. Southern ladies are not cute and cuddly. They are tough, strong, who will, who will mess you up. On the other hand, I grew up in Charleston and that world can sometimes seem over the top where the condition of your yard or whether you served your guests on paper or china plates were referendums on the state of your soul. It seems silly in retrospect, but at the time it felt deadly serious. But you know, in 30 years, a lot of the things that I feel like life or death to me now are going to feel like punchlines. Time tends to turn almost everything into comedy. And he has some other, like, what was the other one? That's a good word for it. Mockery. Yeah. Because that's and, how a lot of it felt to me, was that it was just kind of mocking the idea of it. Yeah. Where I feel like, I think it's great that women choose to be stay-at-home moms. I think that's very admirable, and I feel like there's things that women are always, like, taught to pit against each other. Like, mm -hmm. the working mom and the stay-at-home mom are supposed to, like, find, like, fight we should, with each other instead we of should like, be there for each other building for each other but there's constantly like judgment on like I've never judged anybody for going back to work like I would love to go back to work I actually worked while I when Dash was a baby for a little while because I, I yeah. had the opportunity that he could come with me to work but I, I feel like it's just like the moms that do decide to go back to work or have to go back to work sometimes the stay-at-home moms feel judged by them. And I, I just think it's like, a, hopefully it's a complete misunderstanding about... I think it goes the our, other side, too. Oh, for sure. And I feel like it's like a misunderstanding to the extent that we're jealous of what the other has. Yeah. Because I think the the working mother feels guilt... Leaving their child. Leaving their child. And so they feel judged of, like, how could you do that? Because... I mean, people, look, like, I don't think people always mean to say things that are rude or, like, misconstrued or whatever, but, you know, I've even heard stay-at-home moms say to working moms, like, oh, how could you ever leave your child? I could never yeah. do that. Where, if you're feeling guilty about it, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, she's judging me. Yeah. Even if it's not really a judgment, it's maybe just, like, a genuine question of, like, oh, wow, how could you do that? Because, you know, that's I don't really know how brave to, yeah, of you. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. So I feel like it's also like people's own fears and yeah. and uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Whatever, like it all plays into it. Yeah. But mockery, mockery is a great word for it because that's that's how it felt to you. That's exactly how I felt. Like perpetuating the stereotypes, it felt like it was mocking the women, and, and it, it was didn't like feel like it was mocking to me. And maybe it's because kind of the life I live, where yeah. Majority Maybe. of my my friends in the military communities, we are stay at home moms because we're moving every two to three years and it's really yeah. hard to get a job and keep a job or people don't want to hire us because we're military spouses and they know that we're not going to be around for 
the long haul. Um, and so maybe like for me, it wasn't really a mockery because like sometimes it's a life that mm-hmm. the life that I live to a certain extent, not in the 90s, but, you know, 30 well, years do you later. Think, do you think part of it is that maybe you don't feel like it was a mockery because you like consciously made the choice where like these women didn't necessarily like the women in the book didn't necessarily make the choice it was just expected of them because patricia had a nursing job she yeah. had a job she, that's how her and her husband him, met well she and, put him through school right and she put him through school and then it was like as soon as it was over there was no longer a question of it it was you will be a stay-at-home mom and I kind of felt that way for a lot of the women in the book where it wasn't necessarily always a choice. It was just like the expectation. Um, I don't know if it's because it was a choice because I don't think I've ever told you this, but I remember were we engaged or were we just married? I don't remember, but um, it, it was a long time ago, 17, 18 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. I remember Eric saying something like, oh, well, when you... When we have kids, you can stay home with them. And I'm like, I don't want to stay home. I want to go work. And I was insulted that my husband said that. And I was like, well, why do you want me not to, like, be able to go work? He's like, well, I want to provide for you and so you can take care of our children. And I, like, for him, it was really important to be able to take care of us Mm -hmm. and make enough so I could be home for our, our future children. And, like, it was just weird because, like, it was never a thought, like, I had to talk about with somebody because mom was always, you know, mom taught. Like, I had mom during the summer, but so, um, like, we talked about it, and I'm like, well, we'll see. (laughs) I remember that. And then, like like I said, that was the the very beginning of all of our our life as military family. And I, I know, like, after a few moves, like, and I did. I was working throughout each move, depending on where we lived. But um, it got harder as I had after we had Dash because it was finding a job that paid enough to pay for childcare. Right. Because was I going to have a job that would was I making money after I paid for childcare and gas? Probably not. Yeah, because it's that it's that expensive. And I remember. Oh, yeah, it's really expensive. I remember when we moved back from Monterey, California to um, the Pentagon area, I was looking for preschool for Dash. And I took like we went every place I called. They they didn't have an opening because we moved there in the middle of like the first like semester or whatever. So it's like beginning of November and I go to this one and they're like oh yeah or I call one she's like oh yeah we have openings I'm like well can I come in and um interview or you know come see the facility and and whatnot and I was really interested in this school because it was a Montessori program and I thought this might be it and I remember walking in the lady was really nice and she gave me tour we met the class and There were just a few things that really like put me off. And one of them was like when we sat down and we were talking, she goes, well, you can go back to work. Uh I was like, so what is your program? She's like, we do Mondays through Fridays, 
9 a.m. or 8 a.m. I can't remember the time until 3 p.m. And then if you need after after school care, we offer that as well. And I was like, oh, I don't want full day. He's only three. And she's like, well, you can go back to work. And I was like, but I'm enjoying being <laughs> stay at home mom <laughs> to my my toddler. I just want him to go to school a couple times a week to meet people and to socialize and to give me a few hours, mm-hmm. a few ta- a few days a week to go do stuff without without him. And like that turned me off because like it it became like well you're supposed to go back to work now. Mm-hmm. And then, then I was like, well, what am I going to do that pays me enough in Northern Virginia to pay for this school for five days a week for eight hours a day? Yeah. I, and I think that's a huge thing. You know, we have a child care problem and we have people that have to have dual income families. And then we have to have people that it's actually better for him to be stay at home. Like it, it's such a conundrum. And we have a huge issue in our country for childcare. Like we saw it with the pandemic. Oh yeah, for sure. So I don't know, but there's my personal, (laughs) I don't even know where I was going with that, but it didn't seem like mockery to you. (laughs) It didn't. It didn't seem like mockery. And it's funny, you know, like 17 years later, 18 years later, like back then I didn't want to be a stay at home mom. And Mm -hmm. When he was going back to kindergarten, or not going back to, but when he went into kindergarten, I was really excited. But I remember being sad that my buddy, that even though he'd been going to preschool and I was having some free time and I was enjoying my free time, I still had like half days with him. Like I still loved having that extra time with him. So he went to kindergarten. It was kind of like, what do you do with your time? And then pandemic happened and I've been with him nonstop for like 18 months and I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I totally missed all that extra time with him and I'm really grateful that I have all this extra time with him. So it's just funny what time does to you and what you're given and how your perception on what you're going to do would change. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, part of it, of why it feels like mocking is because if like, if I like, as you were discussing all of this, I'm like, aha, like this is what it is. I don't have children. I don't have that choice to make. And Part of me feels like if I was in a situation to make that choice, I wouldn't want somebody's opinions or stereotypes of what that is, whether it was well-intentioned or not. I wouldn't want it to do anything to make me feel like I was making the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. and for me reading this book I'm like okay if I was in this situation I would feel like this would be mocking that choice for me 
but I haven't had to make that choice. So it's just a perception of what I think yeah. that life would be. Yeah. And I, for me, that's really what I think comes down to it is that I really do try. Actually, it's really funny because my sister just sent me a meme and she was like, this is so you. And it was like, I don't know. It was just talking about like, she's the one who does whatever. And it was like drops the f-bomb too much but then is also like genuinely compliments strangers on the street genuinely does like whatever and I was like that's me and like I've really embraced I mean for years now like maybe close to a decade where I was like if I saw something that a female was wearing or doing or whatever I wanted to compliment her and be very like pro like humanity yeah yeah and so like for me it's like if I was in this situation and I did have to make that decision and that was the decision I made like I just wouldn't want anything to feel like that and so it's just like my perception of it is probably what's making it feel more like a mockery because I don't have to make that decision right now yeah or maybe never maybe I never have to make that decision I don't know yeah I mean and again it's all just yeah. Probably like our life experiences that swayed us to make it how we how we view what he he wrote about. Right. Right. Cuz like and I said like I never thought I was like I'm never going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I just want to say I'm sorry everybody, but my AC is really loud when it turns on. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> but yeah, I just it yeah. was never something I thought I would do. I always thought I'd work. And it's not that I haven't worked when during my time as a stay-at-home mom, I've done, like, some of my art, and I've done some other things. I do this. Right. I'm paying for it, but it is, it is a form of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not, it's just, it's just funny how life changes you. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, any other thoughts, Shia? Anything? I don't think so. Yeah, I think I said everything I wanted to say. Josie really loved. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I tried very hard to keep it more positive. It's fine. That's what I wanted to originally. If we would have discussed this book like a month ago, I would have been like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Josie, yeah, if we had talked about it when we had both finished it, um, it would have been. I mean, when I first finished this book, I downright hated it. Yeah. I don't hate it anymore. It's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a book. It's just a book, and it's not in my top five that I've read in the last year, or my top 10 or 20. That's okay. <laughs> but it's okay. Like, not every book is for everybody, so. All right. Our next book, if you want to read along with us, is what, Sheila? The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. This will be our second yeah, book. This is, yeah, so I'm excited about this. I've been wanting to read this for a while. So. Me, too. Me too. I'm definitely excited about that. And the only uh, reason we picked it was because we both had it. Yeah. <laughs> we, That's all. We're, we're, getting, like, we're getting back to this pick a book thing. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, but, for um, sure. But yeah, yeah, so that's the next one. So stay tuned and then we'll get this up and 
hopefully after this one we'll have our pop or sorry prisoner of pop culture or prisoners of pop culture episode up recorded by then and um you'll start seeing more of us and andy and yeah and then we're still working on tipsy potheads where we're reading the books with andy for the first andy's first time and then discussing it over some cocktails cocktails yeah and then also new for us is we have now joined Twitter. We have. So you can go- uh, Google. You can search in Twitter. <laughs> Don't. I mean, you can I try mean, you to Google, Google us on Twitter. But you can go to Twitter and you can search for Potheads Who Read or PHWR, a podcast. Um, you can find us either way. The at is at PHWR, a podcast. Or you can type in Potheads Who Read, a podcast, and you'll be able to find us that way. We're on Instagram with the same name, Facebook with the same name. If you want, um, have any thoughts about anything that we discussed in this book or you want to suggest any books, you can email us at potheadswhoread at gmail. All one long word. I think that's it, right? Yeah, if you, um, I am working on getting us on like on 5,000 streaming platforms. Yeah, um, you're really going to be able to listen to us anywhere soon. Anywhere. So if you're on one and you, or if there's one you really like that we're not on it, shoot us an email, Facebook message, Twitter message. I don't know. Instagram. Send us a DM. And Whatever. Insta. We'll take yeah. care of you or we'll try, I'll, I'll try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like things have really changed. Yeah, that's the last um, since like May of 2020 on the um, podcasting world and the Internet. Um, But also, if you get a chance, please um, go like us and follow us and uh, give us five stars. If any of those places allow you to rate. I know iTunes does. So go ahead and give us a rating. Ratings really help boost. podcasts and yeah follow us on spotify yeah yeah so if you um don't do it just for us but do it for your favorite podcasts and everything um that's that's how we survive is by being up yep. being liked and favorited and whatever starred yeah give us a star or five <laughs> we don't care we like five but i mean get, i want five stars i don't want a star i want five but i'll take four you know whatever we'll take, we'll take some um. but, yeah, so uh, if you get a chance to do that we'd appreciate it yeah and i think uh, that's it that's it do you remember your sign off i think i remember it i think it was thank you for reading with us yes and go, <laughs> go <open>. bye, bye. <laughs>